Please remember that nothing we say here should be taken as personal advice. This conversation is for education purposes only. If you have questions about your financial situation, please talk to a licensed financial advisor. We are not tax professionals either, and none of the information presented here should be taken as tax advice. Hi, I'm Robert Castillo with Gerber Kawasaki Wealth and Investment Management, where I'm a certified financial planner, accredited domestic partnership advisor, and the director of the GK LGBT Group, which provides specialized financial planning to the LGBT community. And I'm Thomas Donnelly, one of the other LGBT financial advisors here at Gerber Kawasaki. Um, it really should be said that Robert's work in this area has put GK on the map as one of the few wealth management firms in the world that has a dedicated group specifically for LGBT planning issues, and it's really an amazing team to be part of. So as we wrap up Pride Month, we wanted to highlight the importance of giving back to the community through charitable donations. From a financial planning perspective, there are many ways to support the community aside from just writing a check. So today, we're going to talk about how to broaden your reach by donating and investing with donor advice funds, funding a charitable trust, and starting your own nonprofit. We're also going to talk about qualified charitable distributions for those who are 72 or older that would like to donate their required minimum distributions instead of receiving them as taxable income. Don't worry, we'll talk about what all that means in a bit. <laughs> because we're financial planners and need to be able to help our clients with the taxes behind charitable giving, I'd like to briefly talk about how tax deductions and charitable donations work. Now, most people don't benefit unless you itemize your deductions instead of taking the standard deduction. Um, if you haven't done this with your accountant, you're probably haven't been doing it. However, it's always good to talk to them and your financial planner to make sure you're doing what's best for your situation. Um, now, if you're looking to reduce your taxable income, charitable donations do just that if you are itemizing. However, there are limits. So the tax deduction limits for public charities, and we'll get into some of those distinctions uh, shortly here, um, that include donor advised funds, which we will also talk about, um, it's 30% of your adjusted gross income for contributions of non-cash assets. With cash assets, things get a little bit more complicated. So right now under the CARES Act and some other legislation that was passed during the pandemic, um, cash contributions for last year, 2020, and this year, 2021, can be up to 100% of your adjusted gross income. Um, although this does not apply to donor advised funds or private foundations. After this year, it'll go back to 60% of your AGI for cash contributions. And then after 2025, it actually goes down to uh, 50%. I'd like to start out with donor advised funds because they've grown in popularity in recent years. A donor advised fund is an account held in your name with a charitable foundation. We actually do them a lot with our clients and, and help them set them up. Now, what you do is you deposit cash or appreciated investments that will be granted to nonprofits that you recommend to the foundation. Now, here's the important part about donating appreciated investments. Let's say you bought some shares of Apple many years ago. You've made a lot of money on it. You ha have some capital gains. You haven't sold them yet. Now, instead of selling them and paying those taxes, um, if you donate them to your donor advice fund, you don't have to do that. You get that immediate deduction. However, as Thomas just mentioned, when you're donating appreciated investments, your limit on your deductions are lower than with cash. So again, it's important to talk to your advisor and see how this affects you individually. And just to um, give a specific example uh, with appreciated securities, let's say in, in Robert's example, um, you bought Apple and let's say for hypothetically, you bought it at $10 a share and Apple's now $100 a share hypothetically. 
if you were to donate your Apple, um, not only would you avoid capital gains on that $90 uh, appreciation per share, but you would get the full market value as your charitable deduction. So it, it's really a win-win. The best part of a donor advised fund is that you can team up with your financial advisor and invest the funds as you wish. Um, that way you can potentially grow your donations over time. Um, and you don't have to choose nonprofits immediately. You can decide on that as you go. So if you have a lump sum amount that you want to give away, you can do it in a tax year that's advantageous for you and give that money away over time. So just um, to, to kind of riff on that, Robert, uh, there's this concept uh, that a lot of advisors use of gift bunching. So Robert mentioned earlier that uh, you're only getting the charitable deductions for years that you itemize. And under the current tax laws, the standard deduction is rather high, so it, it's, it can be um, uh, more common for people just to take the standard deduction. And what gift bunching does is it allows you to essentially front load several years worth of gifts. So let's say you, you typically give $5,000 a year to your favorite charity. Um, you could instead do five years of gifts, 25000 into your donor advised fund. You would then clear the hurdle to be able to itemize your deductions, get the, the largest benefit for that gift in terms of your, your tax savings. And then from your donor advised fund, you could give your, the same $5,000 gift over those five years. So the charity's still getting the same amount, but you're um, taking more advantage of it from a tax perspective. Now, we've talked about a very simple way to set up your contributions, to grow them, um, avoid some capital gains taxes. Now let's talk about maybe setting up your own nonprofit. Um, for many people, when you're thinking about making donations, you probably don't think about running a nonprofit. However, for some of our clients, when they retire, it's a really big mission of theirs to be involved in the day-to-day -day operations of charities that they support. Now you don't need a lot of money or any money for that matter to start a public charity 501c3. As long as you get donations, um, either from people, from you get grants from the government, and 10% of your total support is given to you from the general public, you qualify as a public charity. Um, however, there's a lot of work to it. It's essentially starting a, a corporation. Um, again, not the typical situation for most people who want to donate to their charities. Instead of starting a public 501c3 charity, one of the ways that a wealthy individual can do this is by starting their own private foundation, which allows a donor to have full control of the assets. Um, they can even create a, a board with their own family members. They can uh, hire their family members to be the managers and directors of the nonprofit. Um, but for many individuals, it's going to be just themselves um, starting it with their own money initially. Um, this is a great way for you to get some tax deductions, to be involved in the day-to-day -day activities of your nonprofit cause, um, and to really just do more aside from, again, just writing a check um, and running a charity in your retirement or really as a full-time job if that's something that is suitable for your situation. And jumping into other uh, vehicles that you could use for charitable giving, I think it's also worth mentioning uh, charitable trusts. So um, 
you know, I don't want to get too into the weeds with these, but um, two primary vehicles that you could use in this regard. The first is a charitable remainder trust. And this is where a donor is going to contribute to uh, the trust. Um, they can get a partial tax deduction depending on some of the trust terms. And then either they or their heirs can get an income stream for a specific period of years or maybe for life. And then once that period has, um, has finished, then the trust principal goes to whatever charity has been designated in the trust. Um, so this could actually be really useful in specifically LGBT planning, especially with intergenerational relationships or where perhaps there's multiple partners involved that you want to support financially. And so you could set it up so that these people are receiving um, a, a specific income stream from the trust. And then upon uh, their passing, then the principal goes to the charity of your choice. You could also do, um, by the way, the opposite, and that's called the charitable lead trust. And that is where the charity gets the income stream. And then after whatever the period of years or, or the life that's being uh, used as the measurement uh, is finished, then uh, the principal is distributed either to your estate or your heirs. Now, we don't set up charitable trust ourselves. This, this is where an attorney comes into play, but we work with them closely along with your accountant to really see what makes the most sense. Um, another way to, to get involved is by setting up uh, a supporting organization. Let's say you, um, your child goes to a school, you wanna support the music program or the athletic department. Um, you can set up a nonprofit, which will be qualified as a public charity, um, if you're associated to that specific existing uh, 501c3, whether it's a school or a hospital, whatever it might be. Um, this is a great way to put your money towards one specific um, institution. Um, and still have control of how you spend the assets, whether it's buying new instruments, buying new gear for the sports teams, whatever it might be. Um, this, it's a un very unique way that we can help you um, set up your, your mission. Lastly, for retirees who'd like to contribute to a specific public charity without investing the funds in a donor advised fund first or going through the work of setting up a nonprofit, there are Qualified Charitable Distributions, or QCDs. Now what that is, is a donation made directly to a charity from an IRA retirement account. You can't make it to a donor advised fund, it has to go directly to a, a charity. So similar to um, a supporting organization, you're gonna be associated to one specific organization where you can be involved, it can possibly qualify as a pledge if you're on the advisory board, for example. Um, it can satisfy the pledge that's required to be on the board. Um, yeah, Robert, something that um, I think about a lot with clients, especially um, with retirement planning, is how significant those RMDs can become later in life. Uh, you know, oftentimes um, people in their 80s and 90s are taking such gigantic RMDs, required minimum distributions from their retirement accounts, that they could be having the largest tax bills of their entire lives. And so um, those those qualified charitable distributions from uh, your your RMD directly into uh, you know the, the donation to a charity. So you're not you're not recognizing the income and you're also um, supporting the, the charities that you want. That can be a really important part of planning in your later years. Um, Robert, I know that both of us have a background in nonprofit work. Um, you know, interestingly enough, before uh, we came to the world of finance, and so um, you know, at least at least I have a, a really uh, specific outlook on charities um, and making sure that that people. I want to make sure that people do their research on on whatever 
organization they might be um, giving to, especially around nonprofits, educational, more advocacy-oriented nonprofits. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a charity. And personally, just again, just my, my personal belief, I really like nonprofits um, and charities that have a really measurable social service rather than some more amorphous advocacy. So I usually recommend folks take a look at whatever nonprofit or charity they're thinking about supporting on something like Charity Navigator. Um, there's also GuideStar and other resources online. And take a look at what their... Um, what their program uh, uh, expenses are as a percentage of their total operating. So I know uh, one of the nonprofits that's near and dear to my heart is the local Los Angeles LGBT Center. Um, 94% of every dollar you contribute to them goes to the social services and and other uh, services that they provide. Um, Do you have any other... uh... Yes, I've actually have served on the advisory board of a local nonprofit at Antioch University called the Colors LGBTQ Youth Counseling Center, where they provide free counseling to LGBTQ youth up to age 25. That's provided by the grad students at their university. Um, So one of the ways that you know you could really get involved is obviously donating your time when you're on an advisory board there isn't a pledge um, like a regular board of a nonprofit. Um, of course when you're looking to donate and uh, give away some of your money then then yes uh, getting on the board of a nonprofit is a great way to get involved as well awesome awesome um so so robert uh, any final thoughts you want to you want to leave everyone with I mean, lastly, it's it's really important to talk with a financial planner, with your accountant, with an attorney to discuss what is the right avenue for you. It might be starting small with a donor advised fund and building some assets there to give away. Um, and later on, it might be, you know, giving some of your required minimum distributions of your retirement accounts when you hit um 72. Um, So as always, we're here to help you out. Um, Reach out to us. We're always um, able to give you a free consultation and and see how we can uh, create a plan for you. Awesome. This has been a blast, Robert. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.